thank you for your power and your grace. Thank you for doing whatever it is you need to do in order to bring your word to us. Thank you for calming my spirit, calming the atmosphere, <coughs> bringing me into right standing with you. <coughs> in the name of Jesus, I do pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Lord, bring a word for your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to speak to you from the subject of family that prays. A family that prays. We have been fully equipped for battle the last few weeks when we're talking about um, our worship and talking about fasting. But Paul tells us to pray. Prayer is the battleground of the believer, a powerless, gutless, ineffective church is a prayerless church. When the church doesn't pray, we are not even on the battleground. We take nothing back from the enemy. We, we have no effect for the kingdom of God, and most likely we are being trampled by sin and the oppression of wicked spirits. When the church doesn't pray, we're giving the enemy an open door to kill, steal, and destroy. On the other hand, if we pray, we become Jesus' warrior bride. When Joshua and the country of Israel were walking around the wall of Jericho, they weren't walking and talking about life. They were all in agreement in prayer. The wall fell down as a result of the power of God interceding on their behalf because of their obedience in prayer. The Lord commanded us to pray and then be obedient so he can do great exploits. We have put on the whole arm of God, but now we have to learn how to pray to receive instructions. I know I'm always talking about not letting tradition hold us back, but, but let me tell you, some tradition is supposed to stay. We need the mature adults to bring back the power that used to be so prevalent in the body of Christ as a result of the power of prayer. Some of you may have an education, may not have an education, may not know many big words, may not understand theological theories, but my generation and those behind me are successful because of the results of your prayer. If you, uh, it was you that prayed us through Plessy versus Ferguson. It was you that prayed us against, uh, through Jim Crow laws. It was you that prayed us, that prayed against separate equal. It was you that prayed against segregation. And just like Joshua, you continued to pray and march around those unjust situations. All of the walls came tumbling down. You are the reason we are able to worship with all races. You are the reason why we can eat where we choose if we can afford it. It, it, is, not, it is because you walk before us in an equalizing power of prayer. God commands us to pray and authorize us to pray. 
and he says that he cannot act in any in many situations unless we pray. Yet believers would do anything to avoid praying. We would rather jump up and down in wild praises to the Lord than, t than stay in our prayer closet and pray. In fact, I believe the church must accomplish in prayer what we have accomplished in praise and worship. We have praise singers and praise dancers and praise banners and praise trumpets. We have all kinds of praise, everything from country to classical style. We know all the Hebrew words for praise. There has been tremendous teaching on praise and worship. And how many, uh, but how many of us are prayer warriors? Oh, yeah. How many of us spend time on our faces before God and petition him daily? How many of us consider the highlight of our existence to be those times spent in the powerful prayer, basking in the warmth of God's presence and receiving revelation? How many of us travail before the Lord and the Spirit until deliverance breaks forth and people are set free from the grip of the enemy? How many of us refuse to take the devil's bondage and persist in prayer until the devil desists? It was because Joshua tarried in the tabernacle that he took the promised land. The Greek word for praying indicates that this is not only bringing our requests and petitions, but it also means worship. We are not only to speak, but we are also to listen. And the Word also always tells us not only to have an attitude of prayer at all times, but to take every opportunity to pray for ourselves, for loved ones, and for anyone else who crosses our path. Grandma keeps coughing. Let's pray. The rent is due. Let's pray. Brother keeps trying to get over on you. Let's pray. Something is going wrong at home. Let's pray. We have an important decision to make. Let's pray. Oh, come on, somebody. I know you pray for your biscuits. I know you pray for your Chick-fil-A. I know you pray for your Waffle House. I know you pray for your Steakhouse. Come on, somebody. You, you, you'll almost grab somebody's hand and slap their fork out of their hand if they don't pray for their food. But do you pray for every decision you make? Do you pray before you take that job? Did you pray before you took that trip? Did you pray before you went on that date? Did you pray about it? Stop worrying about praying for your biscuits all the time and pray for your life situation. Paul repeats the command to pray in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. He tells us to pray without ceasing. Prayer is something the Lord expects us to engage in constantly, which means prayer must be something we can do at all times and in all situations. This is possible because there are different types of prayer, even silent prayer, which is communing in our hearts with God. If we are in a place where we cannot speak, we can still commune in our hearts with God. When we stay in an attitude of prayer, nothing can separate us from Him, and we can remain in communication with Him always. Prayer is vital to spiritual warfare because we must commune with God to put on his armor. We must communicate with him to receive his battle plan. And sometimes he tells us of battles to come. Then we can allow him to prepare us as a result of maintaining an attitude of prayer. Whenever and however the enemy strikes, we are suited up for warfare and ready to fight and win. Although we do not live in a constant state of warfare, we do live in a constant attitude of prayer because the enemy is roaming the earth. Come on, somebody, seeking to see who he can devour. First Peter 5 8 says, Be sober. 
be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I cannot emphasize this enough. Prayer connects us to God, and God knows the strategies and battle plans that it will defeat the enemy. David said of the Lord, he teethed my hands to war. In other words, the Lord has taught me how to fight the battles I face. He gives me the victory. We must rely fully on the Lord as David relied upon him. Let's look at Psalm 18, 32 through 40. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon high places. Come on, somebody. He sits you there. He teaches my hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn again till they were consumed. I have wounded them that they were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet. For thou hast girded me with strength into the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast also given me the necks of mine enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. Come on, somebody. David was a man of the God's own heart and one of the most unusual believers in the Old Testament. Can I talk to somebody for a minute? Because some people say, why do you talk about haters? Why do you talk about, I don't talk about haters. I just let you know that God would deal with your haters. Oh my, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I'm not giving haters attention. I'm giving you attention and letting you know that God will handle your haters. Did you just not hear that psalm right there? Because can I tell you something? When you're doing something for God, you are an enemy of the devil and he will use his minions to try to distract you. He will use his minions to try to get you off course. He will use his minions to try to destroy you. That's why I got to have you vigilant every day. Oh, he, he, he was a man of war who recognized that the only way to defeat the enemy in the natural was to defeat the enemy in the spirit realm first. Oh, yeah, y'all hear me? You, you, you see, some of y'all fighting down here. You need to be fighting up there in heavenly places. And if you can handle the heavens, oh, yeah, y'all don't hear me. Oh, we, we, we going to. He knew that prayer was the real battleground for all issues of life. Throughout his lifetime, whether he was a shepherd, a hero, a fugitive, or a king, David trusted the Lord for his safety and his provision from day to day, week to week, month to month, and year to year, communing continually with the Lord in prayer. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterances may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul initially called upon the Ephesians to pray for him that he will be even more bold in making known the mystery of the gospel. Paul, to me, is the boldest preacher in the history of the church. But he asked for prayer to be even more bold. It's time to pray until we tear down the strongholds of the enemy. 
that are being built against our personal lives, our families, our churches, and the body of Christ in this generation so we can preach the gospel boldly. It's time we pray until the, those who are being persecuted for the gospel's sake around the world are set free to continue preaching boldly. It's time we pray for missionaries who are getting souls saved in those remote, easy to forget areas of the world that may be even more, that they may be even more bold. Paul also exhorts us to pray with all prayer and supplication for the saints. He says, be specific and thorough. Cover all the bases. Don't leave any stone unturned. Pray about every area of your life, everything that concerns you. Pray about the level of commitment and purity of heart toward the Lord. Pray about your family, your church, your job, and your ministry. Pray about everything the Holy Spirit brings to mind. When Paul addresses the Ephesians, he illustrates how thorough we are to be in prayer with our own situation. He doesn't make he doesn't ask the Ephesians to pray for him in only one area. He also makes provisions for them to know all his needs so that they might pray more effectively and specifically for his entire life. See, sometimes you, you got to know who you can trust, though, right? You, you got to let stuff be known so people can stand in agreement with you. Some of y'all, some people in the church have died and gone on and nobody knew they were sick. Nobody knew to pray for them. I'm not saying you got to tell everybody your business, but you need to tell, you need to have at least one prayer warrior on your side. Come on, somebody. You, you, you don't need to be going through all this by yourself. Ephesians 6, 21 to 23 says, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Titicus, I a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when we pray for one another, we are to pray with the most accurate information we can obtain. See, when was the last time you prayed about something until you knew in your heart and in your mind that you had prayed about every facet of that problem or situation? So often we pray, oh, Lord, you know the need. Please meet the need. But the Bible says that we ought to pray with wisdom and understanding. We ought to pray about everything we know to pray. We ought to pray about a problem inside and out, upside down, through and through. Pray thoroughly. Pray all the way through a problem. Pray every aspect and every detail and every consequence of a situation. And pray for the entire body of Christ to prosper in all areas of life. This sounds like a lot to do. However, Paul also gives us the key to doing it. We ought to pray. Watching thereunto with all perseverance. The Greek word translated watching means to be sleepless, to be always awake and alert. And perseverance is the word that means to give constant care and attention. Not only are we to pray for ourselves, for all the saints, and for all the ministers of the gospel, we are to be alert at all times, day and night, and be ready to pray for anyone who needs it. See, the message Paul is trying to impart here is a message of compassion and care among the saints. We are to love and care for one another at all times, in all situations. What concerns you concerns me. 
My problem is your problem. Your problem is my problem. And our neighborhood crisis is our, is our crisis. Ahmaud Arbery is our crisis. Trayvon Martin is our crisis. All the other people that died unjustly is our crisis. Rittenhouse is our crisis. Oh, yeah, y'all don't hear me. Racism is our crisis. Sexism is our crisis. Oppression and injustice is our crisis. See, this is an impossible standard to achieve until we add the phrase in the spirit. Watching. Persevering prayer is praying in the spirit. There is no way we can come into oneness and unity apart from the Holy Spirit. And apart from the Holy Spirit, our prayers are lifeless and powerless, and so are we. To continue to pray fervently and passionately until we get the victory, we must allow the Holy Spirit to be our inspiration, strength, and guide. Paul wrote to the Romans that there will be times when we have no idea what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit will take care of the matter. <clears throat> Look at Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth that what is, in, what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saint according to the will of God. At times, we may feel vulnerable, confused, and in help as we face certain situations in our lives. We may even look vulnerable to others. But if we pray in the Holy Ghost and be filled with the Holy Ghost, we will not stay vulnerable. The more we pray in the Spirit, the stronger we experience the anointing or the tangible presence and life-changing power of the Spirit. It is the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage and sets us and others free. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers our prayers and brings them to the effect, uh, the devil-crushing level of fervent. And we know from James 5:16 that the effectual fervent prayer is the prayer that availeth much. <clears throat> Notice that Paul does not say, now all you intercessors pray. Nor did Jesus tell Joshua, now just take the ones who can pray to march around the wall. No, the whole nation of Israel marched around Jericho, men, women, and children. God commands all believers to pray. I believe the call of God to the church today is a call to prayer, both to the individual believer and to the corporate body. He didn't say, I, 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 I wanted a house of, 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 of praise dancers, not saying we should have a He didn't say, I, I need to have a house of worship. He said, I, I need you to make my house a house of prayer. Because when you pray, worship will come. When you pray, giving will come. When you pray, deliverance will come. When you pray, comfort will come. You understand? When you pray, elevation will come. Because the more you commune with God and get to know God, the more confidence you have in God and the more faith you'll put in God and the more you'll please God because faith without faith is impossible to please God. God is not a respecter of person. God is not a respecter of your, of your, of your background. God is a respecter of faith. 
And the more you commune with him, the more you talk to him, the more you converse with him, the more you come, become closer to him, the more you will trust him and the more faith you will walk in. Look here. It's a fact that war is one of life's great equalizers. We often see the dismissal of prejudice and racism in the middle of war. Whites and blacks didn't like each other, sometimes still don't. But back in the wartime, they, they put all their prejudice behind. Uh-huh. When, when war, when the, no matter how prejudiced they were, they was in their foxhole together. See, see, when the war is over, they may say, I hate people of that race or color, but they probably won't mean it as much as other folk. But why does a person say that? Because they were in a foxhole together and they had a common enemy that brought them together. See, see, we need to understand as Christians, we don't have room to disrespect the old or despise the young. In Christ, believers of all shapes, colors, sizes, ethnic groups, races, and cultures have a common enemy, and we must come together in order to win the war against Satan and his demonic forces. You know why Satan put black against white and young against old and all that? Because he wants divisiveness. He wants to divide you. He wants to sift you out like we. And if I can get this race by itself, and I can get this culture by itself, I can get this ethnicity by itself, and that's the first start of separation. Then I start trying to separate the races by the difference what they have with inside of themselves. That's the devil, a trick of the enemy, because the kingdom of God is built on relationship. And if you can start finding somebody that thinks a little different than you, how much more blessed will you be? There would not be poverty in the world if it wasn't racism. I'm going to tell you that right now. It wouldn't be poorness. It wouldn't be poverty. There wouldn't be starving. That's why, because you know what? The government makes so much money making beds with inmates. They make so much money making stop signs with inmates. But if you were out, went out there being racist against black folk and white folk, y'all would pull together and be like, why in the world are they making all this money getting all these contracts? And we was to pull together as a community of believers, pull together as not just black and not just white and not just Hispanic. If everybody pulled together, it wouldn't just be 2% that got most of the wealth in the world because you begin to say, we want our stuff too because you understand that your enemy is not my blackness. My enemy is not your whiteness. My enemy is the devil and that's who try to make it look like that. Walking around here broke, busted, and disgusted because the people on the top just allow you to continue to fight yourself. That's why they put Trump around there because they want to keep the, the people hating each other. That's why they keep the rhetoric going because the more separate you are, the less power you walk in. When you begin to come a prayer warrior, you'll begin to see the trick of the enemy. You'll begin to see the trick of America. You'll begin to see the trick of the elite that continue to keep you in poverty because of your hate. Mm. See, when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, the large shields used by the Roman soldiers at the time could be locked together in such a way that the entire row of soldiers could be protected. It was a wall. The protection over each soldier multiplied because of this union, and so did their power and ability to move forward and conquer. 
What an awesome picture of corporate prayer in the church. We do not stand alone. We do not fight alone. We are to fight as a united front, taking on the enemy and standing strong against him, both for us individually and for the body as a whole. As we join our faith with one another in prayer, the power of God to save, heal, deliver, and set free is multiplied hundreds of thousands, even millions times over. Stop hating your brothers and sisters of any race, of any color, of any ethnicity. Because when the more you stick together as believers, the more power God can allow you to walk in. See, we need to build a unified and organized and organized as a fight. We need to be unified and organized as a fighting force because the enemy is unified and organized. See, when Jesus encountered a demon-possessed in, 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 uh, man in, in the country or garden areas and also called Gersirenes, uh, he, 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 not Gethsemane, I'm not talking about that. He asked him, what is your name? The man replied, Legion. Legion not only refers uh, to the fact that there were many demons in this man, but it's a military term that also means those demons were an organized stronghold in him. Those demons were fulfilling their assignment and working with the other demons to hold this man in bondage. Now, if demons can work together, why can't we? Why? The Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't even like each other, but when they wanted to get rid of Jesus, they pulled together. Evil seems, seems how they can always get together and fight good, but good want to sit there and be by yourself. I want to be the star. I want the medal all to myself. I want the trophy. That's how church will be. I don't want nobody to do it but me. God not going to let you steal his glory. So go on and get somebody to help you. I'm going to get out of here. The Bible tells us, that one believer may send a few demons to flight, but two in prayerful agreement send many demons to flight. As we read in Leviticus 26 and 8, five of you shall chase an hundred, and an hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Being locked together in prayer, praying in faith as a body releases the multiplied power of God against the enemy. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you, first of all, we need to get together and get along at each other in New Beach Grove. And, and don't try to tear each other down. We need to try to get along with each other at First Baptist Denby. And, and don't try to tear each other down. Then, then we got to move to, you know, to, 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 to other situations in our lives. Then you, you, you got to, black people, you got to love yourselves. But then black people, you got to love white people. White people, you got to love yourselves. You see what I'm saying? You, you, you got to learn how to love God and when you love God, he'll teach you how to love yourself. And he'll teach you how to love yourself, he'll teach you how to love everybody else. The problem is some of us don't love ourselves enough to love anybody else. If you don't love you, you'll never love me. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're going to find something you hate in yourself that you see in me and hate me because I got the same thing you got. I'll try there are times when we are alone in the lion's den and God delivers us. Then there are times that we are with our buddies in the fiery furnace and our collective faith brings us through. 
In most situations, however, we need one another because God planned it that way. We need him and we need one another to succeed. We are not a loose group of long rangers, each one doing his own thing. Truth be told, the long ranger wasn't even by himself. He had Tonto. How you a long ranger? And you ain't alone. Get out of here. <laughs> you the ranger with a buddy. Something. <laughs> the long ranger and Tonto everywhere he go. Come on, man. Anyway, we are a family of God. The family that prays together stays together. And the family that stays together takes territory from the devil. We're going to take some territory from the devil because we're going to stick together. We're going to pray. The prayer going to bring us together like glue. I had another lesson today that we was going to talk about, but God said, no, this is what I need to talk about to bring you together. I need you to understand that the prayer team shouldn't be the only people praying. After a while, it should be other folk coming in here praying too. Come on, somebody. It shouldn't just be them. They lead it. They set the ground. They come in here every morning and set the ground. But when you see them praying and you get here early, you should just be sitting there trying to be quiet. You should be praying too. God did not tell Joshua to just take the prayer warriors to go walk around the wall. He said, take everybody. Because after a while, it should get, somebody should catch on. Some, the fire should catch on somebody else. If I light a fire right here on this rag and sit it down and don't put it out, it's going to eventually catch on the rug and spread all around the house. Now, that's bad. But there should be a fire in you that burns, and when you pray, somebody else should catch on fire. You shouldn't come in here saying, uh-oh, they ain't here praying. Let me be quiet. No, you need to open up your mouth and pray. Pray about something. Just say, I'm in agreement with them, whatever they're saying. If you don't know how to do it, all you got to do is talk to God. Some of y'all talk people to death. So talk somebody to life by praying to God. If you can talk, you can pray. Prayer is just a simple conversation with God. That's it. Tell him what it is you want. Tell him what it is you need. Tell him what it is you're struggling with. And he'll work it out. But we got to pull together. This world, this country is so fragmented. Republicans don't want to help the Democrats. Democrats don't want to help the Republicans. We need to stop voting for folk that's always worried about one party. In fact, I don't even understand why we got Republicans and Democrats anyway. A house divided amongst itself can't stand. They don't try. They got mad at, remember, they got mad at Chris Christie because he accepted help from Obama to help his state out. How ignorant is that? He's supposed to just let the people die because a Democrat is the president. Makes no sense whatsoever. It's too much divisiveness going on. That's a trick of the enemy. The enemy tries to make you paranoid. Now you do, and come on, now you do have to be vigilant because there's some folk out there that ain't meaning no. But you have to be vulnerable in order to do something for the kingdom. But the only way you can be vulnerable and still continue to press on and be shielded is to pray to God. Because he will order your steps in his word. But if you're not communing with him, he won't make you. You understand? I need you all to understand. I'm going to sit down after this because it's, it's so much stuff going on. It's so much stuff going on in America right now. If, if our eyes are not open to the racism, if our eyes are not open to the divisiveness. But it's not white people. It's not black people. 
it's not brown people. It's not red people. It's the enemy. And we need to understand that we have a common enemy. It's funny how people like Hitler would make the Jews an enemy and pull people together off an evil plight. But we have an enemy that we know is the devil, yet we don't sit up here and fight him together. If there's an enemy in your house making you walk in poverty, I need to be praying for you. If there's an enemy in your house making you walk in depression, I need to be praying for you. If there's an enemy in my house trying to make me, trying to tear me down, you need to be praying for me. We all need to be praying together. And a family that prays together stays together, and a family that stays together takes territory from the devil. One can set a thousand, two can set ten thousand. I gave you the other one in Leviticus, just so I can know you. It said it in more than one way. And when he says five of y'all can do hundreds and hundred y'all can do ten thousand, what he's trying to say is the more collectively that you are, are in agreement with other people, the more you can do. What's the point? And having 1,500 members, or how many members we got because of COVID, I don't know how many we got at this point. Might be less, might be more, who knows. What's the point of having all these people collectively together if we're not going to walk in power? What's the point in having a church if you're not doing anything to change people's lives? What's the point in coming together every Sunday, waking up on a day that you really don't have to wake up on if you really didn't believe in God and you really didn't feel like you should not forsake this, some of yourselves together? Well, what's the point of me waking up in the morning if we're not going to walk in power? What's the point of me coming to preach if we're not going to walk in power? But the only way we can walk in power is to pray. I know we, had, we talked about worship, but we got to pray. I'm giving you all the weapons. I know we was on, we was on worship for a while, and we're going to stay in prayer for a while because I need you to be able to hold these weapons. If you're in the army, they'll teach you how to take the gun apart, put it back together. Teach, take the gun apart, put it back together. Take the gun apart, put it back together. Then they make you do it blindfolded. Take the gun apart, put it back together. They make you do it in the rain, in the dark. Take the gun together, put it back together. Take it apart, put it back together. And be able to do it without even looking at it. Why? Because they want you to know your weapon. I need you to know your weapon in the word. I need you to know your weapon in prayer. I need you to know your weapon in fast. I need you to know your weapon in praise and worship. I need you to know your weapon. In faith, I need you to get all these spiritual weapons. I need you to know them. Because when you know your weapon, ooh, even when you're in a foxhole and you got to put something together, the devil coming at you, you already ready. Because you know your weapon. No enemy going to make you scared and run up on you. You will be so calm. What the devil at? Because you know your weapon. When the enemy comes at you like a flood, you... You chill because you know your weapon. You understand? When you know your weapon, let me say weapon. When you know your weapons, when you know your arsenal, come on, somebody. When you know it, you don't worry about the devil. You don't. You don't. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has given you so much power. And the thing about it is, if that didn't work, he says, you know what? I'm going to put the comfort, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's why we say, greater is he who is in us than he was in the world. And so when you're praying to God, he hear you, he right here. You ever talk to yourself in your mind, you hear you, your crazy thoughts sometimes? Because you're right there. He's in you. He hears you. He feels you. He's leading you into all truth. He's always right there, but are you going to converse with him? 
Are you going to tell him what you need? Are you going to tell him what you want?